What happens when we interview two of Jen's brothers, one a video game designer, both video game players from when they were little, and now raising their own video game players. Stay tuned after these messages. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. For the On Boys Parenting Podcast, we are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net and Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. When my boys were born, I was winging it. I had no classes, no boy-specific information, and I learned by making a lot of mistakes. I wish, Janet, I wish that the Raising Next Gen Men course had been available when my kids were little. Yes. So if you are raising littles, if you are raising tweens, if you are raising teens, the next gen men course is going to be informative, inspirational. Inside this course, you will meet some people that you've likely heard on our podcast before. Dr. Michael Reichart, Adam Cox, Michael Thompson, all of these advocates and change makers are highlighted in this course. So you are going to have new information, new inspiration for raising those boys into great men. You can find the course at nextgenmen.ca slash shop and use the Onboys coupon code for a discount. Why are video games so important to boys? Why do boys react so strongly to losing or dying or just not getting as far as they wanted in a game? What is going on in their brains? And most importantly, what can we, the parents, do about that? When a Building Boys member sent that question in, in response to our recent call for questions for our listener Q&A, I knew that it was one we had to tackle. It is a big question and one that affects every boy family. So I proposed devoting an entire episode to it and I knew just who to call my brothers, Doc and Greg. Yay. Doc, whose real name is Jonathan. We won't go into why, but he's Doc. (laughs) He asked the question. So tell us a little bit about your experience and why this is such a top of the mind question for you and uh, so many families. It's a question I've wondered about in myself. Uh, I don't play video games nearly as much as I used to. I'm definitely not a hardcore gamer, but I do remember the emotions involved and just feeling so pissed off, so ticked. When something went wrong, you felt cheated by the video game and you're just mad at everything in that moment. You're a little bit out of control 
and I've chucked a controller or two. And I know I shouldn't, but it's still, you're so mad. He's gesturing, that, throwing the that, controller. That's, yeah, that's the outlet. I love it. Yeah. Um, and right now, you are a dad. Yes. So we're the generation, we we grew up to a certain extent with games. Like, I remember when we got the Atari. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Old school. Atari, ColecoVision. Yeah. On from there. So, you grew up with games. Now you're a dad, and you have three children. How old are your kids? Uh, they are currently... Four, six, and eight. The eight-year-old turns nine on Saturday. And he's a boy. And the youngest is a boy. And the middle's a girl. And my oldest, he gets mad. And I've and I'll see it. And I know it's coming. Something goes bad in the video game. And he doesn't just get upset. He gets upset and then shares that upsetness with whoever's nearby. And he'll yell. And he'll cry. And if someone's nearby and he doesn't like it, he will strike them. And we're going to say, hey, buddy, you know, if you can't handle it, we're just not going to play. And that is that usually escalates the situation. Yeah. Throw a little gasoline on that. Though. Oh, yeah. 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 Very much. <laughs> yeah. I see Greg just nodding along right now uh, because you're my brother and because you're Doc's brother. We both know that you played games a lot growing up. And we happen to know that you are a father of three also, including a boy who I would not be at all surprised to hear has occasionally gotten upset and perhaps thrown a video game controller. Yeah, you know, uh, video games and ADHD are a volatile mix at times, it turns out. But uh, yes, um, obviously, I grew up playing a lot of video games, as you mentioned, Jen, on the old Atari 2600, the ColecoVision. And I was fascinated by them at the young age, and that's what led me to eventually pursue a career as a game designer. And this is a topic that, I mean, it's right in my wheelhouse because something that has affected me, my friends, and my son, uh, you know, I have two other daughters as well, but in particular, my son. And I do have some thoughts as to why this occurs and whatnot, but we can get into that. No, that's what we're here for. Why does this occur? Oh, wise one. Okay, so, you know, I did wonder this, and I have thrown many a controller myself, although I will say I don't throw the expensive ones. Those, those old-school Nintendo ones, you know, those are a little bit more chuckable. They're not going to destroy quite as easily. Don't throw your $75 PlayStation No, wait a second. I just feel um, like but, we need to uh, point out here that this is yeah. what maturity does to you. Absolutely. Once you got money riding on it, you're like, what? Uh, wait, maybe I shouldn't <laughs> throw that because that's $75 out of my pocket. Why would I do such a thing? Yes. $75 these days? It's 75 bucks approximately, give or take, for a brand new controller. Uh, but Jen, to answer your question, it, it actually uh, didn't really occur to me until I read a book in my game design study. I read a book called Flow. Anyways, in that book, he it's, it's not a game. It's not a book devoted to game development, but the whole book is just about the concept of flow. And you hear about the concept of flow a lot in athletics. You know, being in the zone is essentially mm -hmm. being in a flow state. And you can get in a flow state by doing any number of activities. It could be knitting. It could be playing sports. It could be doing art, dancing, whatever. And how you achieve flow is when the activity that you are engaged in 
is right there with your skill level. And there's a chart actually in the book that depicts this flow chart, uh, flow graph, if you will, rather well. So essentially, if I'm playing tennis versus Roger Federer, I am not in the flow state because that level of challenge is far beyond my level of skill. You're going to get if frustrated I, super quickly. You're going to get frustrated. However, if I take on my son in tennis, uh, my level of skill is way greater than the challenge. So I'm bored. So it's frustration, boredom, flow. What happens if you take on Doc in tennis? Yeah, that's actually a pretty good uh, matchup right there. We have played a lot of tennis. And I got to say, Doc is a fantastic tennis partner. He frustrates me because he lets me make the mistakes. <laughs> Games are designed in Excel uh, to keep you in the flow channel. And I think part of the reason that boys get very frustrated is they get busted out of that flow channel, that flow state almost instantaneously. And when that happens, you feel cheated. How could I have died right then and there? The machine is cheating or another player is cheating. You flat out feel cheated. Instant disruption of being thrown out of the flow chat channel is very disarming. Now, to add many in here, Janet, what we know about boys developmentally. You know, Doc just said that Wesley is eight going on nine. And I know that triggered all sorts of thoughts for you. Absolutely. I mean, there's, first of all, there is the, there's so much going on in their life, first of all, but then the video games, which they're so compelling because they're challenging because they feel good. Like you said, Greg, being an, I love this um, relationship to the flow state. It feels good that there's some success there. And when they're busted out of that, oh no, now I have to go back and interact, have communication verbal and nonverbal with my family. And that's hard. That's harder than video games to have that like, oh, I need to pick up on the nonverbal cues and I need, there's all the things I didn't do this morning and mom's telling me I have to do. And it's way easier to be in the game where it's, you know, it's fairly predictable what's going to happen. And, and now it's a social opportunity. It wasn't back. I mean, you had to have your buddy next to you back in the old days, you know, in person. Now you don't have to. So you've got your friends there. It's comfortable. It's safe. It's easy, an easy place to be. And at eight, nine, especially, it's often the very early stages of puberty for boys. So the brain is in the middle of or starting this whole remodeling process. So a lot of times what happens, and those of you that have older kids may have seen this happen, right? Uh, a kid who perhaps seemed like he was pretty able to control his emotions and his responses at the start of and going through puberty, that kind of goes away for a while. It's almost like there's this regression and loss of control again. And there is definitely an increase in things just seem bigger, right? You know, upsets seem bigger. Pleasures can seem bigger. So that's developmentally part of what's going on in the brain baseline. You know, you've got a kid who, because of age and development, is prone to pretty quick upset. And then, like Greg said, and like you said, Janet, you have this very engaging medium, and then something happens and it is an abrupt, you have to shift 
from this this uh, world, perhaps to perhaps to dealing with your family in real time. Ugh. I mean, it, it's almost like design a recipe for a disaster. You've got all the ingredients right here. And if I may add to that, uh, video games really excel at providing feedback, both positive and negative. Most of it is positive in nature because they're trying to make you feel happy and engaged and all these kinds of things. And to your point, when you get jarred out of that, uh, you're met with usually negative feedback. You know, you just died or whatever it is. And then you have to transition to, you know, real world. And especially with boys and especially with uh, developmentally challenged boys like my son with the ADHD, transition of any sort is a huge struggle and something that tends to bring about a lot of rage, anger, things of that sort that are not so pleasant. So I'm curious because I I talk to a lot of parents who have challenges with transitioning their boys out of screen time. Uh, what one place that I land is you've got to have your set of non-negotiables before screen time, like all the things that need to happen, homework, outside time, family time, whatever your family decides has to happen before screens. And so there's that component is kind of taken care of. How do you handle the whole, how you know, getting on screens and getting off screens at your houses? Doc, I'll let you take that one first. Before screens, we usually, it's a good time to say you have to do this first. Mm-hmm. And they're very willing. Usually they'll go do that in the morning, you know, on a Saturday morning, we're like, you have to go get dressed first. I'm done. Lo and yeah. behold, they wake up really early on Saturdays. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then uh, when we have screen time, kind of after lunch, I usually set a timer and they kind of know when that timer goes, it's time to put it away. Now. Do we still get a lot of, I'm not done, or just one more time, or can I have a few more minutes? Of course. Usually I say, if you're on something, you can finish it up, but they know that it's time to go plug it back in and recharge it. I like that you said that because that was always a thing for us too, you know, because one of the things with video games is it's not as predictable as a TV show, right? Like the TV show was on at this time and it ends at this time and you could count on that. Yep. The video game, if you are literally in the middle of your quest or you're in the middle of getting to the next level, or especially say you're playing Fortnite and you know your whole squad is relying on you, I would say get to an ending point and then stop. And they was it perfect every time? No, because we're talking about actual children in real life, but it worked more often than it didn't. How about you, Greg? Yeah, I'll mimic everything that you said. Um, and you know, that whole do this. Before you can have screen time, that's game design 101. You know, if you want to get to the the dungeon, you, you need to seek out the key first, you know. So this is what we call uh, setting some gates between the player, in this case your son, and the thing that they really want, which is the treasure, the iPad, the device of sorts. But yeah, everything you all said, that's what we try to do as well. The handoff is never perfect in the end either there's always a little bit of whining a little grumping but yeah i think going the approach of just finish up this game especially with the online games like fortnite there is no pause button right. it, like the game is going so i think that's fair to let them finish i am really curious greg because i've heard you 
talk really intelligently now on like that's game design 101, you know, yeah. like what is this thing you have to accomplish before you can even play the game and how the games are designed to keep a player functioning kind of at their level, maybe a little bit higher because you want it to be challenged. So you know all of this because you've been a game designer and you've been a student of this medium for years. So what I want to know, thoughtful brother slash parent, how can we parents use some of these principles in our parenting? <laughs> well, I do think uh, that very first, uh, yeah, what we were just talking about, always setting gates between what they want and uh, what you need them to do. That is paramount. I mean, that when that dawned on me and, and my wife, my wife, Heather, I mean, that was just eye opening. I was like, Wow, I of all people should have realized that. <laughs> I of all people should have realized that, but you know, different mediums, it just gets lost in translation. Um, the reward system is compelling too, although I will say it's easier to pull that off in video game world than it is in real life because that just puts more work on you, the parent, yeah, to say, like, hey, do these five things and you know, you'll earn 10 bucks or whatever it is, whatever reward structure you set up. Um, that involves a lot of design on the parents uh, and to figure out like what are the chores, what are the rewards, all that kind of stuff. Great system to put in place and I highly encourage it, but it does involve a lot more work. Labor intensive, yeah. Labor intensive. And actually, if I may, I just want to go back to one more thing talking about the, the frustration and how the games are designed. Uh, this is kind of a, a, another reason that games do get frustrating for people. You know, boys are people too. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes those games get frustrating on purpose. Many games nowadays are designed with pain points in mind, particularly mobile games, in order to try to shake your, your pockets loose of a little bit more change. And I'll uh, give you an example of this. This absolutely happens, and many a game developer will admit to this. If you're playing a game like Candy Crush, which is well-known, uh, match three-style games are infamous for this. You can play through, say, 10 levels, and then you suddenly reach a level that's very hard to get past. You know, you've, you've exhausted your number of turns. You're like, why can't I get past that? It's designed to be hard and frustrating on purpose, and then they'll lead you to a shop to try to buy an online purchase to help you get past that pain point. So Ooh. yeah, that absolutely happens. And then does it, it get easier? Uh, once you buy that thing, yes, it does. Yes. For a while. So you got to buy the next, Till the next one. Right? And th then the next nine levels will be good, smooth sailing. You'll be cruising. Then you'll hit a little bit of a pain point. So and they've already uh, learned that you're willing. Yes. Yeah, so just, you know, I want to make parents aware of that too, because not a lot of, you know, my game design students, they don't know that that happens, but it happens. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. 
By Heart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider By Heart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy milk vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. I can see that maybe being a good strategy, not strategy, uh, just a conversation point to have with some of our tween and teen boys as part of just the whole digital literacy and media literacy conversation. You know, when you understand what's going on behind the screen, kids don't like to feel like they're being tricked. And so for some kids, if you explain like, this is what the advertisers, this is what the business wants you to do. For some kids, that can be helpful. Yeah, and, you know, the data analytics that go into these games nowadays is far beyond when I started my career. I mean, they know everything about you. They know how often you die. They know how often you log in. They know when you log in. They know that you're susceptible to buy something more here, less susceptible to buy something there. I mean, you're a, you're their lab rat. I mean, they know everything. They know how to, they know how to get you to hit that lever one more time to, to get a pellet to come out. Gamers are just data now. Yeah, it's a it's a so, different world. So, what's your advice for the parent whose son is coming to them? I need to buy a new skin. I need to get. I got to get this, oh, yeah. and I have to have it. I have to have it. What's your advice? That, great point. And my son does do that, and my <laughs> son always got that dollar burning in his pocket. So, I try to use it as a teaching moment as to, hey, this is what's going on. This three-day only sale, and then you'll never see it again. There will be another three-day sale in the future, and this will not be the last skin. There will be another latest. There's always another latest thing. So all of those call to actions that games are infamous for inputting, those call to act, and that's what they're called. They're called call to actions to try to get you to act upon buying something, Mm -hmm. making them aware of that. And uh, 
I think, Jen, you just mentioned something there. Uh, it's much greater than video games. The, the digital literacy mm -hmm. sort of component to this. I'm a teacher. I teach in this field. And I, I cannot believe that this is not something that we don't have in schools nowadays because students need to know about this or the machines will be running their lives, so to speak, because they won't be able to see all the Jedi mind trickery going on around them. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, there's a lot. And, and, and to be clear, not all of it is nefarious. A lot of these data analytics are input to improve the gaming experience. So I want to be fair to it as well. A lot of it has business motives for sure, but a lot of it is to create a better gaming experience, which thus leads more players to the game. Well, and as you talk too, it's advertising principles, which our kids need to know about too. Yes. Is yes. you know marketing and all the TV commercials and all those things that we hopefully have already been talking to our kids about Jen, another conversation our listeners need to have <laughs> with their kids, but you know, you want them to know like the, I don't know, we had the Sears catalog. Come on. Yeah. I, I, you know, as, as I said before, I could be your, I could be your mom. We had the Sears catalog. I happen to know each it? of these guys made their Christmas list with the help of the Sears catalog. Every yeah, page. There, there it started. <laughs> and then, you know, commercials. So our kids need that literacy around being sold to and desire. And I and there's, you know, it builds up some greed in there, too. And how do you help them balance what you want with what you need to go along with uh, pay for play? Uh, my son, Wesley, he's eight. Um, he plays Prodigy, the math game. And he's played that for a number of years. And this last Christmas, he's like, hey, dad, can I get a membership? Because every time, every battle they win through math, there's you can get this reward or members get this reward. He didn't even know exactly what members got, but he knew he wanted it. So mm. come Christmas, Nana and Papa were like, hey, we'll give him a membership. And I'm like, wait a minute. I want to pump the brakes on that a little bit. I'm willing to get Wesley a membership but I want him to pay for the membership. And so starting, I think it was December 26, he's like, all right, I want a membership. I'm like, all right, you need to give me $10 for this month. And so every month he has to give me $10. Now he's not quite to the point where he's willing to give it up. And he, when he plays, he's like, I really want the Epic pets. And apparently every month you can get a new Epic pet. So he's paying like $10 each month for an epic pet now when i break that down for him it's like you paid 30 dollars for this what joy has that brought you can you show it to other people it's not really tangible it's digital and so far he's still been willing to pay every month and i'm kind of hoping at some point he's like you know what it's not really worth it yeah except you know I what's going to happen next doc He's oh, going to, oh. he's going to want to buy an NFT. He's going to want some <laughs> digital art is what he's going to want. He's no, going to no. pay $3,500 for a Gucci tiara that only exists in the internet. Uh, what he really wants for his birthday is Minecraft. And I'm like, okay, oh, there's a free version. I don't know if he knows if there's a pay version. So he probably will. And he'll figure that out that suddenly his friends might have a different version than he does, or he can't interact as much as he wants. And then he'll have some decisions to make. So we'll see. I do love your approach in that you're helping him see. Trying. This is, it takes time. 
this is one of the things that I love about you as a parent is that you do play the long game and you're willing to let things play out. And you know that you can't like, I do this and it will solve the problem. So you are helping Wesley to see this is actual money and it's your money. And now he's been doing this for a couple of months. And you said up until this point, he's still like, it's worth it. And you're sort of hoping that he'll eventually go, huh? I mean, I could have done this or that with the money instead. And I think it will come, but it will be so much. And whether it does or not, it's so much more of a powerful message. If he learns it, than if you try telling him, you can, you can talk until you are blue in the face and it won't mean anything. Whereas if he discovers it, it means something. That's the hope. <laughs> and I want to also, because it was, it was just woven in there. I also want to point out that you put the brakes on grandma and grandpa buying this thing. And, oh, let's just give him that. We can check another kid off our Christmas list. Yes, yes. That conversation with the grandparents of, no, this, there's another way we're going here is super important. It was a little awkward, but sure. yeah, I'm like, no, I kind of want to do it this way. Instead of just giving it to him, I want him to kind of feel that, no, something is exchanged here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to keep doing that exchange? Yeah. That's your choice. Okay. I got a question. Dude. As parents, it is so easy for us to see the negative in video games because video games become a headache for our family, a problem to manage. I think if we're really to try and understand where our boys are coming from, though, we also have to look at the positive side. And Doc, you and Greg, you were both boys who loved video games. So why? Why? Why do boys love video games and not just flow and stuff, Greg? Like as a boy, what is this bringing to you? Wesley's not into the social aspect yet. He's just into the personal accomplishment. And I think it's that immediate sensory input of, I'm doing this. I can have success. Mm -hmm. And then when I talk about it, that's some street cred. You know, I'm at this level. I'm prodigy. You know, I got this far on this game. Um, Little alchemy. I know how to do all of these little things and combine them into this. And so that's, it's good for them to talk about with their friends. Mm -hmm. Not the social interaction. It's that social status. Mm-hmm. I want you to go back in your boyhood and what was uh, telling for you. Part of it for me. Now I grew up in the generation where it wasn't social gaming over the internet. It was me and the computer. And I always compared it a little bit to like reading a book, but it was an interactive book where to get to the end, you had to be successful. And so when you win that championship game, you feel good. You feel like you won that championship game or you have your RPG. You're building up your party. You're the one that molded it in such a way where you could defeat that final boss. And sometimes you can mold it in such a way where it reflects you and your values. You know, did you use the dark magic users and just wipe everyone away? Or did you try to sneak in? as quietly as possible and not have to bail as many and still get success that way. If I look at a sports game, um, do I try to run up the score 
or do I try to get all the yards in football and all the touchdowns? Or do I decide I'm going to try to punt every time and play all defense and see if I can win it that way? And when you can, you feel great. Yes. And in that way, you kind of trick the machine. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 For for me, it's very personal. So what can I do? As you're talking about it, you know, you guys, this will so date me because the first video game I ever played, probably the first and the last was Pac-Man. Just saying. That's I all right. so mad and so I good. got so frustrated that it was not, It I mean, it wasn't fun for me. It was just like, this is stupid. I think we probably had to pay for it too because it was, you know, like a big, huge machine in a yeah, bar somewhere. But oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Pump it full of quarters. <laughs> Who had Pac-Man sheets? Didn't some one of us have Pac-Man sheets? Yes. At some point. Yeah. Someone definitely did. I don't have those. I have the Snoopy ones. <laughs> Greg, what, what was it that uh, you loved about video games when you were a kid? Um, yeah. So it, it's definitely the mastery of the system that sounds very high level but it's mastery of the system it is an expression of self way more nowadays than it ever was because you can create your own avatar and you can customize things to the nth degree um and also for me it was a big stress relief uh, just a way of relaxing i just love being transported to different worlds and to to break out some of my inner game design nerd i'm gonna hit you with an acronym here uh there's an acronym i didn't come up with it another doctor a game designer who reached the doctorate level uh dr richard bartle came up with the acronym case that is k for killer a for achiever s for socializers and e for explorer those are the four primary gamer types there are actually uh, quizzes online that you can take. I think it's called the Richard Bartle test. It'll ask you a series of game related questions. And based on how you respond to that, it'll tell you what type of gamer you are. And that essentially is a reflection of why you play video games. Killers like dominance. They like feeling that they've vanquished their foes. They like leaderboards and achieving high. Achievers are, that's my gamer type, like to um, win the Super Bowl. We like to rack up a million dollars in whatever video game we're playing. We love to conquer every challenge there is. Well, wait a minute. Yes. Doc, you got to be thinking the same thing I am here. Doesn't that sound like Greg as a human being and as a person? Absolutely. Which of our siblings biked across the United States? Greg, which of, our, which of our siblings bikes from Death Valley the lowest point in California up to the highest point in California. Whitney. That would be Greg, who's done it more than once. You are an achiever in and out of games. I, I never learned more about myself than I did through studying game design. It's, it's been fascinating. Um, Interesting. So I want to keep going because our listeners are going, but, but wait, what about yeah. socializer and explorer? So, so a little droplet of those two. Yeah. The S for socializer. Uh, those people tend to be folks that like the online multiplayer games. Um, it can be mobile games like uh, Words with Friends as well. Uh, these are games that usually have chat features, 
um, ways to trade items with friends, that sort of thing. The reason those people game is so that they can socialize with their friends, obviously. And the E for Explorer, those are folks that like to play games to just explore a whole new world. They're the ones that will go to every corner of the map. Uh, Legend of Zelda had uh, a reward system built for the Explorer gamer type where they had these, what they called Korok seeds, all spurs throughout their world. And there's like 900 different locations throughout the map where you can discover these. So game developers know about these gamer types and they will implement gameplay features to get to cater to the different gamer types. I have a question for Greg. So Greg, are you mostly an, an A for adventurer or achiever? Sorry. I would say primarily, and that Bartle test will actually uh, give you a percentage as to how much you oh. rank in each of those categories, because nobody's exclusively just this or just that. We're all makeups of all those. So then my big question is, why do you think you're not the other ones or not as much as the other ones? I'm definitely not a socializer. Um, and I think that you're just not has- a social person, man. I'm, I'm just a very... Uh, I'm an INFJ personality type, so introverts just, yeah, don't like playing with others. And I don't like the randomness that a uh, random person on the internet that's swearing at me is bringing to the game. So <laughs> that's, that's why I stay away from that. So I love this so much because parents are looking at this boy that is like totally immersed in this world, this game, and what they're focused on is what he's missing out on. He's not doing his homework. He's not having family time. And they know, like Doc said, like you, you know, this transition is coming and it's probably not going to be good. And yet this gives you parents a whole other doorway to enter into this interest of their sons. I loved hearing you talk, Doc, about about, ooh, I'm gonna, you know, see what happens if I punt and if I can win, like being in that space. Do parents know that this is what their boys are actually thinking? And this, the strategy and, and how you talked about the, just the expression of self and talking about these different gamer types, which I know Jen is gonna put a link in the show notes to the test. So I will. Everybody can do that. And then what a great conversation to have with your son, whichever one he comes out to be, you know, well, why are you, why, why are you interested in exploring and, and the connection that Jen made to Greg's interest in the world and how that plays out in, in other places in the real world. So I guess we went through some gates and we got to some treasures, Greg, this was (laughs) a treasure that you've given us. Thank you. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, video games are like any other consumer product. They're meant to fill a need. And for us as people, they fill a lot of psychological needs, Um, whether you're just looking for someone to socialize with or you're looking to just conquer the world and you feel frustrated by the real world uh, uh, challenges in front of you. Um, The virtual world provides a place to fulfill those needs. I want to dig into that for a minute, because in my experience as a parent, I think what you said there, Greg, is key. Video games do fill a lot of psychological needs for a lot of kids, a lot of boys. And so as a parent, if you are really, really concerned about your kid, all he wants to do is video games. Don't be so quick to blame the game. Look at his needs and look if he has other outlets 
for some of those. I heard you both talk about this sense of mastery. You know, I can do this. I did this sense of accomplishment, this expression of self. My personal opinion based on observation is that I think a lot of boys are really drawn to games because they don't have that kind of freedom elsewhere in their lives. They don't have other things where they can have those accomplishments or express themselves because parents and teachers, we say no to a lot of things. And so if you're saying no, 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 sit down, be quiet. I mean, I've got my controller and I can do whatever I want in this world. That is very difficult to resist that. There's not many places where kids in general feel successful. Right. Oh, Doc, by the way, for listeners, um, he's a teacher. You were, you were in childcare for years and you're a teacher yeah. now. So when you say that, that has a lot of power. Yeah. The, there's some sports. What if you're not athletic? There's school. What if you're not an intellectual? And then what are you good at? Mm -hmm. mm. Cleaning your room? That doesn't carry much social status. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, I back that up. It totally uh, gives these people who, who have felt less than in their life a chance to feel like somebody. And I mean, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find any medium out there that elevates yourself to places that you never even dreamed of better than a video game. That's mm. awesome. Well said. Doc. I have a question. Why do you think it's so different, the reaction towards video games, for boys than girls? My first question is, is it? As you know, I only have boys. Greg, you've got a son and a daughter, and I know they're different humans, sure, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. You've also been in game design. So do you think boys are more prone to, like, this is a thing for them than girls or a bigger reaction? Yeah, I would say yes. Uh, that tends to be my observations. And it's not just my son and daughter that I get to compare it against. Um, I do get to see my students play games together on break as well. And the guys always seem to be a little bit higher and a little bit lower than the, the ladies who tend to be a little bit more even keeled. I don't know if it's just a hardwired competitiveness or just that sense of mastery that, that guys crave. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but I, I've definitely noticed that uh, if, if uh, girls lose, they tend to be a little bit more, eh, whatever. And guys are just like, no, let's go again. Janet, what do you think? I think there's definitely that. It's hard to not sound, sound stereotypical here and broad generalization, but you know, females are a lot more relational. Like we, we get a hit of oxytocin when we make eye contact. We love that connection. And so that's what we seek and what we crave. And not all girls, not all females, but that, that maybe is more of a tendency and, and driver for girls than it is for boys and for all the things that we've said, you know, it's a safe place for boys. They don't have to deal with eye contact, which can be super uncomfortable and the social awkward interactions, um, which girls tend to be able to navigate a little more easily. So that's kind of one, one piece of that. I think that some of it may also have to do with our socialization, right? I mean, because we are socialized According to gender, in so many ways in the society, generally speaking, more girls have had more experience and practice with, I'm going to manage my emotions, I'm going to hold them in, and boys don't get that in the same way. 
And then I think Doc and Greg, you both know this from personal experience as well as parental experience, how a boy reacts alone is different than how he's going to react if he's in front of his friends. So there's all kinds of drivers going on here and separating it out is really tough. And I think the other big thing is generally speaking, culturally, video games are a big part of boy culture. Girls play games, but it's not a big part of girl culture. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much, you guys, for joining us today. I mean, I love you both because you're my brothers. That's it, huh? Thanks. Yeah. But besides that, you all are very thoughtful and smart, and you had so much information to share with us today. Well, thanks. This is fun. This This is is fun. Thanks for being here. This was great. If anybody hates the podcast, they can blame Doc. Okay. It's usually my fault. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, you guys. Uh, Great. Thank you so much. All love right. you guys. Be love well. you. Say hi to your See family. You Bye. What a fun conversation with Jen and her brothers. I love the family banter. If you found value in this podcast, if you know of other parents who are struggling with their sons and video games, please share this episode with them. And don't forget about Next Gen Men. You know, when I say, take this course, learn more about your boy, it really is a easy, easy path to having more of a global perspective about what your boys are dealing with and a at-home here's what I can do, here's the conversations I can have with my boy. Nextgenmen.ca and use the boys coupon code for a discount. Thanks again for being our listeners. I am Janet Allison of boysalive.com and my co-host Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.